You're listening to a Frequency Podcast Network production in association with City News. I don't even have to ask this as a question, because I know the answer. Since the pandemic began, and maybe well before that, you have been using your credit card a lot. Certainly more than you used to. Part of it, of course, is convenience. Part of it is the rise of online shopping, something that the pandemic only accelerated. And part of it, if you're like most of us, is because you get stuff for using it. Maybe you get travel points and air miles. Maybe you get cash back. Maybe you get points that you can spend at major retailers. Whatever it is, to you, it's gravy. You were going to make that purchase anyway. So you use the card and bam, free stuff. Now, who do you think picks up the tab for that? I have to be honest with you here. I didn't know the answer to this. And I suspect you might not either. Or if you do vaguely know how this works, you might not know just how complex it is, just who it's hurting and how much, and you probably don't know much about the years-long fight behind the scenes that could culminate next year with federal regulations. So today, we'll go inside the world of credit cards, rewards points, and the fees that pay for them, just in time for your holiday shopping. I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. This is The Big Story. Susan Krasinski-Robertson covers the retail industry for the Globe and Mail's report on business. Hey, Susan. Hi. It's a good time to be talking retail, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It's the busiest season of the year for all retailers. This is where they make the bulk of their money. So uh, this is the perfect time. And I think um, everybody listening would understand anecdotally that fewer of us than ever are paying with cash. Can we quantify that? How far have cash payments fallen since the beginning of the pandemic? That's a really good question. I don't have a nationwide number, but I can give you a subset of the industry to give you just an idea of what's happened. Um, I think as anybody knows, over the pandemic, a lot of us started paying with cards more often. We've gone cashless. There's been this huge spike in cashless payments. And um, I was speaking with an industry group that represents convenience store owners to give you one example of this. And they've seen a 55% increase in their swipe fees these fees that we're going to talk about today um, for store owners. And basically, it's like a tipping point for them in terms of the amount of credit cards being used uh, as opposed to cash. I'm only speaking for myself here, and I know the reasons that I do it. But since the pandemic began, I've paid for almost everything with a credit card rather than a debit card or, of course, cash. Why do you think credit cards specifically have become uh, the key mode of payment? That's a great question. And, you know, this whole industry is really set up to incentivize you to pull that credit card out of your wallet. And a big reason for that is the rewards programs that are attached to them. So, of course, when you think about paying with cards, right, there are two ways to do it usually. There's your credit card or there's a debit card. Uh, The credit card, as we all know, you know, that goes onto your bill, you pay it off later, the debit card comes straight out of your account. 
And store owners love debit cards. They love them because the fees to use them are quite low. They get the money instantaneously and uh, it's an easy transaction for the customer. But debit cards don't come with these rewards programs that so many of us have begun to rely on or have started to rack up points and try to build value out of our shopping habits. And so that whole system of rewards points is really incentivizing people to pay with credit cards much more often than debit. And I want to talk about the rewards program specifically in a moment. But first, I kind of want to get into how this all works because it's way more complicated uh, than I thought it was. And you interviewed for your piece on this a man who owns uh, a small grocery store chain in Ontario and Quebec. And he said, your travel points or your rebates, the consumer needs to understand that those aren't free. What does he mean by that? Yeah, I spoke with uh, Gordon Dean, who owns uh, five stores under the Mike Dean local grocer chain. And he was saying, you know, before COVID-19, it was roughly 40% of purchases at his store were made in cash. And these days, it's closer to 18%. So that's, Mm. that's taken a huge bite out of his profits. And what he means when he says those aren't free is that Every time he swipes a credit card to pay for a grocery haul, he pays swipe fees uh, that go into the system. And what he said is that change in the amount of credit card transactions happening at his stores has really chewed up his profit margins. It's increased his monthly processing fee bills by about 30%. And, you know, how the credit card system actually works, it's, it's something most of us rarely think about. And these business owners say they're the ones who subsidize the cost of that system and that they wish that consumers understood that, you know, when you pay your annual fee, if your credit card does have an annual fee, that's not the thing paying for the points that might hmm. get you that vacation or that cash rebate, for example. What's paying for those points is these swipe fees. So can you walk me through maybe or walk us through a potential transaction? Let's just say, um, and, I, and I know the, the fees vary wildly and we'll yes. get into that too because that's also nuts. But, you know, let's say I'm buying a um, hundred bucks worth of groceries from Dean's. Um, how does that work? Yeah, yeah. So there's, as you say, there's actually no one single credit card swipe fee for every transaction because every credit card comes with a different fee. But in general, what happens is the bank that issued that card, that bank gets the largest bite and that's called the interchange fee or the swipe fee as we commonly refer to it. Uh, We cited an example provided by the Canadian Bankers Association. Um, This shouldn't be taken as gospel because as I said, the fees can really vary, but they gave for an example, you know, a $100 item, probably about $98 of that goes to the store that you're actually paying if you pay in credit. And then the other $2 kind of goes into this system of fees that get processed for using that card. So, you know, a fee of roughly $1.40, think of it, is probably going to that swipe fee. It's the biggest one, that interchange fee that goes to the bank. Mm -hmm. Another maybe 51 cents of that 100 bucks is going to go to the acquirer that processes the payment. Think of Moneris or Chase, basically the brand on that terminal that you swipe your card with. Right. And then there's an assessment fee. That's maybe on this $100 transaction, it's maybe nine cents. 
might go to the credit card company, the Visa or the MasterCard. They have other sources of revenue as well, I should mention. Technology licensing fees, currency conversion services. Hmm. But that's just the bite that they're taking out of this individual transactions. And these numbers are just a rough example. So the fees aren't set. They they can fluctuate based on a number of factors. Uh, the different merchants or retailers would pay different fees depending on how big they are, what industry they're in. So, you know, a cab driver pays a higher fee, for example, than a grocery store and the type of purchase. So when you're paying with a credit card in person, that has a different fee than paying online, which uh, the companies say carries a greater fraud risk and so has more complex security apparatuses to make sure that that transaction is secure. So those are a bunch of the different levers, of course, that move that fee around. And then the last thing that might make it fluctuate is the rewards that you're getting back. So really high reward cards come with higher swipe fees. So on average, the number that you'll hear a lot is 1.4% that is attached to these interchange fees. That's the industry average that Visa and MasterCard agreed to Q2, which we'll get to a little later on the the agreements they've had. But um, that 1.4, it's just an average. If you've got one of these super high rewards cards, that merchant might be paying 2%, 2.3%, even 2.4%. If you've got a really low reward card, they might be paying something less. So those fees can really move up and down depending on a number of factors. Okay, here's my next question. Why is it like that? That sounds nuts. <laughs> That's a great question. You know, and it wasn't always like that. So if you go back about a decade, this was a lot less I wouldn't say less complex, but there was a lot less of that fluctuation. So the average interchange fee back then was about 1.74%. It was higher. But in 2014, there were voluntary negotiations between the Canadian government and the industry. Visa and MasterCard agreed to set an average rate of 1.5%. So they agreed to lower that. And then in another round of negotiations, this was later lowered to 1.4%. And that created a situation where Visa and MasterCard, they keep track of that average rate that they charge, and they basically make adjustments as needed to ensure that they adhere to those average fee commitments. Mm. But as I said, you know, this is sort of a balancing act uh, where, you know, a high value card, they want to charge a higher fee for it. Sometimes that can get a little out of whack. So during the pandemic, there was this boom in online shopping. And as I mentioned, you know, when you're paying online, you're, there's a higher swipe fee for that. Right. Those are called in the industry card not present transactions. Um, and the rate for those is typically higher because of that greater fraud risk. But MasterCard told us that during the pandemic, they actually had to adjust that rate down in order to keep that overall 1.4% average because so much more volume was going through online transactions. So it's now this sort of complex balancing act that they're involved in. And that could change once again very soon. How does all of that impact retailers differently? And here, maybe we'll use uh, the grocery chain example again, because I think you mentioned that it can vary based on type of business. Can it vary based on the companies themselves selling the goods? Like, would deans pay higher or lower fees than, say, uh, massive corporations like Loblaw? 
They absolutely would because uh, larger companies tend to pay different fees. But you know, it's it can be difficult to answer that question because one of the issues with this system is it's extremely opaque. You know, there are published fees for various industries that the credit cards publish. They publish tables of the varying fees, but knowing sort of what any individual business pays can be really, really difficult. What retailers themselves say is that this affects them because it takes a bite out of the profits that they make. And, you know, going back to that $100 example, to your average person, that two bucks, that doesn't sound like a lot of money. But depending on the retailer you're talking about, those profit margins might already be quite slim. So, you know, over at Mike Dean's, they might only be making a profit of three bucks on that $100 transaction mm-hmm. where $2 makes a huge difference to them. Uh, the grocery industry is notorious for having quite slim profit margins, especially among the small independent grocers. And so that's one example of how the retailers are affected by this. When I spoke with someone at the Retail Council of Canada, an industry lobby group, they told me that this is essentially beggar thy neighbor, huh. <laughs> is how he characterized it. Because, you know, essentially, they argue retailers have to raise prices in order to offset these fees, which then affects customers, even if they don't realize it. And what he means when he says it's beggar thy neighbor is that the person with that really high rewards credit card is getting the most value out of that system, but everyone is paying higher prices. And they argue this actually can contribute to inflation because those retailers have to build this into the price of goods. I can sort of, if I squint, see the logic behind passing the costs of the terminals and the processing fees and the security for online purchases off to the retailer. What I'm struggling with is seeing the logic in passing off the rewards points cost to the retailer. Like, why is that allowed and what's the logic behind it? Well, and I think that's why you see this fight very much more over interchange fees than over any of the other fees that are part of that equation. You know, retailers are arguing those interchange fees are too high and they compare it to debit cards where there are still fees to use those cards, but the fees are quite a bit lower. It's important to also mention, by the way, that handling cash isn't free either. So, The cost of accepting a transaction, there is a cost there, no matter what way you pay. Think Mm -hmm. about cash. Uh, A retailer might have to slow their checkout line down while that cashier makes change for you. But it's not just that. They have to count the cash. Someone's got to get that cash to the bank. If they're a big enough operation, they might have to pay for an armored car to get that cash to the bank. There are costs with every payment method. But what where the fight is, is with these interchange fees, which they say, at least the retail side says, is too high. And part of that is because of the reward system, which gives these, these rebates, I mean, rewards back to the customer. And those rewards have real value to customers. You know, I spoke with someone who, who runs a website that's all about comparing credit card rewards. And he believes that this system is ultimately good for customers. If you're smart enough, you can, you can get a lot of value out of 
just making your purchases strategically, getting the right kind of card for your purchasing habits and your economic status. And that, you know, smart consumers can actually get a lot of value out of this system. And so it's not a full agreement across the board that this is a bad thing. But certainly the merchants themselves have said this is a bad thing. And going back to the example of the convenience stores that I mentioned, the head of that industry council told me that it used to be that real estate was the second biggest cost for the retailers that are her members. Uh, you know, labor, as we all know, that's always the biggest cost for a retailer. It's always labor. The second biggest cost used to be real estate. And she says now interchange fees have taken that over. So if you think about that, someone's rent versus someone's interchange fees, that there's now been, those two have changed places. That's, that's a pretty powerful statement about just how much this is costing retailers. When I'm wearing my hat for this interview, I am all about like, that's ridiculous that it's passed on to the retailers. I don't know why this is allowed, et cetera, et cetera. When I put on my own personal hat, like my partner is a points shopping master. Um, she's really, really good at it. Uh, I just knocked off 250 bucks off the price of a new stove we needed to buy with rewards points. Mm-hmm. So I understand like intimately why these are so valuable to people. And before we get to what's happening now, because this is why we're talking to you, can you explain just over the past, I don't know, what is it, five or 10 years as these rewards cards and, and these bonuses um, have become more popular, What's happened to the rewards and and how is that impacting uh, business owners? Yeah. So uh, the person I spoke to, Patrick Soika, who runs Rewards Canada, which is a website that compares credit card reward program. He told me that, you know, he started that website back in 2001. So he's got a pretty good perspective on the industry. And he said back then, you know, the typical earning rate for card users is generally around 1% or, or one reward point per dollar spent. And these days, he sees cards rewarding users with three or four or even five points to the dollar for some spending categories. I should add, by the way, these point values can vary among different cards. So a three-point reward doesn't necessarily mean 3% return. But in general, what he says is, you know, credit card rewards have become richer over the years as credit cards are competing for your business. Uh, Your savvy partner who is pulling those cards out of the wallet, card companies are competing and banks are competing for that customer. And Mm -hmm. so these, you see big welcome bonuses to try to convert people to cards. You see big points offers. And, you know, this, this head of Rewards Canada, he told me, you know, he hears from savvy users like your partner, you know, some people carrying five or six cards and changing up which one they use at each checkout based on, (laughs) oh, okay, I get my best rewards for groceries on this card. So I'm pulling this card out of the grocery store. I get my best rewards on gas from this card. So I've got a card just for that. Right. And you know, what he told me is like, he regularly fields questions from people who are trying to derive value out of this system, who are asking all about like, what's the best way to get rewards? What's the best way to get value back? Very, very seldomly does he actually field questions on how the whole system works, how interchange fees work. So it really is kind of an invisible system uh, in some ways to consumers. 
Well, I think when people are doing that, are juggling different rewards programs and cards, they think they're putting one over on the people that give them the cards. They have no idea they're putting it over on the businesses. And you really can't blame consumers, especially not right now. Uh, Look, everyone is feeling the bite of inflation. Totally. Even even before inflation started spiking. Look, people work hard for their money. People are just trying to get as much value out of the system as they can. And it's very rare that anything in your uh, everyday life will will actually give you rewards back. So it's, it's just a smart move for consumers. It's not consumers' jobs to say, well, I'm just going to leave this aside because it's not the right thing to do. You know, consumers, they're trying to make the best bang for their buck. And that's why the industry says, has said that they really believe this is something the government needs to step in and fix. Um, and that is their argument. The credit card companies and the banks would say, well, no, there's a, there's a lot of value coming out of this system. You know, in, in their defense, what they say is, you know, merchants get access through credit cards to this widely used form of payment. They get the funds instantaneously. Mm-hmm. The transfer is almost instantaneous. Financial institutions, the banks, they're compensated for the risk they take that a customer won't pay them back. And shoppers get convenient cashless purchases that give them rewards. And not to mention, you know, they get to make those purchases even if they don't have the funds in their bank account at that very moment. And retailers sometimes are able to convert a sale that they might not otherwise make because someone might say, well, I'm going to be able to pay this off by the end of the month, but I don't have the money this second. So that's the argument on the flip side of the value that credit cards bring into this system. But the retailers would argue, you know, the fees for it just don't need to be this high. And this is the perfect segue because you mentioned that the retailers would like the government to step in here. What is the government doing right now? And what could it end up doing uh, down the line, depending on what happens next? Yeah, so currently and over the next couple of months, the federal government is convening many of these players in the industry for a series of negotiations. And what they've said is they they have a goal to reduce fees, um, especially their focus is on small businesses, uh, the fees for small businesses. And the government has said that uh, if they can't negotiate some kind of a deal, they will consider tabling legislation to set the fees. And that springs back to months, years of lobbying on this subject. This Mm -hmm. is a long-running dispute. Uh, Not only have there been previous negotiations, but ahead of uh, the government's fall economic statement, which was released early last month, business groups were lobbying on this topic again. You know, the the government had promised to take some action on this in previous budgets. And business groups were saying it's really, it's finally time to step in and, and make some progress on this. And so indeed, Ottawa did move to do that. One of the reasons, by the way, that this topic came back into the headlines actually stretches back to October, where as a result of a class action lawsuit, a part of this system changed and merchants were given the right to apply surcharges to customers on credit card bills to offset the cost of these interchange fees. But actually, business groups said they didn't really see that as a solution. And here's why. It, It offsets the cost onto customers, which they don't like, 
it angers their shoppers, which really isn't good for the retailers. And a lot of them just didn't plan to do it because they said, well, our bigger competitors aren't going to do this. They're going to continue to eat the cost of this. And so if I try to put this surcharge on, it's going to put me at a competitive disadvantage. And so this stepped up the lobbying from these business groups. It was part of what stepped up that lobbying saying, no, this was not a solution. You know, we need something different. Subsequently, this announcement was made in the fall economic statement. We'll see what comes out of these negotiations. We don't yet know what's going to happen, but the government has said it's working on some kind of new system to reduce these fees. And again, especially for small businesses. And on those surcharges, by the way, I think it's it's helpful to note that the Canadian Federation of Independent Business did a survey of its members about those surcharges. And for many of the reasons that I just mentioned, it was only about one in five of them who said that they would even consider applying a surcharge. So it's a minority. Hmm. And you know, many of them said they would only consider it if their competitors did it. So that gives you just a sense of the kind of pressure there is on them to continue to absorb those fees, which many of them say is unsustainable. So let's talk about what comes next. I understand they're negotiating now, I guess, uh, from what you're saying for the next couple of months. And when might we find out what, if anything, changes or if the government is going to step in and do something? Yeah, I think we'd be hoping to hear in the coming months what the results of these negotiations are. Uh, We don't know yet what's going to change. Certainly, these business groups will be doing their utmost to participate in these negotiations and to urge the government to consider lowering these fees once again. You know, the last time that a lowering of these fees was negotiated, it was supposed to be a five-year deal. And so I think we could probably expect some pushback on that from possibly from the visas and the MasterCards of the world who might say, you know, we already negotiated this. We thought we had a deal. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not inside those those negotiating rooms, but right. I can guess that that might be a bit of pushback. So there's a balance, clearly, that the government is going to try to strike here between helping small businesses while continuing to have a system that really, it's not going anywhere. This, you can't put this genie back in the bottle. Right. The system of credit card swipe fees customer rewards, you know, the government will not be dismantling that wholesale. And so these negotiations will be about striking that balance and trying to come up with some relief uh, without going too far. Susan, thank you so much for walking us through this. It's so complex and uh, I hopefully everybody listening has a better sense of what's going on when they whip out those cards. Thank you. Susan Krasinski-Robertson covers the retail industry for the Globe and Mail's report on business. That was the big story, and I am not kidding you when I say I am a huge fan of these points. I will collect them from anywhere and everywhere. We have built our lives around when we can get extra points at various retailers, and I suspect there are a lot of people like us out there. If you guys have crazy stories about what you bought with points, send them along. I would love to hear them. If there's a really crazy one, we might share it right here. You can find The Big Story at thebigstorypodcast.ca. You can get us on Twitter at thebigstoryfpn. You can find us via email, hello at thebigstorypodcast.ca. And you can call and just talk, 416-935-5935. Whatever podcast player you use, you'll find The Big Story in it. And whatever smart speaker you use, you'll be able to say, play The Big Story Podcast and you'll hear us right then and there. Thanks for listening. I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. Have a safe weekend. We'll talk Monday.